On this episode of the new 8 Days of Geek podcast, The Walking Dead loses another, Dark Tower gets a series, and The Nest wasn't hacked, your password just sucks. Stay tuned. Back to another episode of the new Eight Days of Geek podcast. I'm your host Jesse Miller, and joining me, as always, the man who went up a hill and came down a mountain carrying a new shiny Wi-Fi router, Sean Scott. I did. You did. It's fantastic. Have you realized that our connection? Knock on wood. Our connection hasn't uh, cut out once. I have not noticed any robot voices yet during our uh, during our conversation. You're correct. Awesome. But I, it was kind of overshadowed by the you know what 45 minutes of screwing around with settings on whatever it is we're recording on now the fact that your uh, headphones are so goddamn loud that i can hear you hearing me hearing you hearing me if, if that's what it, it, it is uh, i'm still not convinced but uh, i'm pretty sure it is <laughs> all right so um let's go ahead and kick into it we've got uh, the blurbs up first I actually did the first one. I'm super excited about that. Uh, Captain Marvel has an official website now that is basically a GeoCities fan site. Have you GeoCities? Have you gone to this thing? No. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Uh, let's see here. Let me load it up here. All right. Um, I'm posting the link for you. But it is, it's its pretty cool. It has little gifts everywhere. Um, I mean, it looks like some of the sites I put together back in the day. Where did you post the link at? Inside the mumble. Inside the what? <laughs> We're using a new voice client today. Um, Sean still hasn't gotten a complete hang of it because he's only seen it for, what, like... 10 15 20 minutes oh i didn't even realize there was like a yeah. like a chat panel over here there is look at there all right oh yeah that is that reminds me <laughs> I'm, of my old fantasy wrestling website right geocities tastic i know i love the page builder i was a pro with that thing Yeah, so that's good. Head on over there, uh, check it out, and if you get a chance, it's it's pretty cool. Oh, you got to have some animated fire. Well, what about the oh, animated? Somebody's head popping in from the side. Uh huh. This, this is great. Isn't this awesome? <laughs> this just takes like every every classic thing from Page Builder and just slaps it into one big long scrolling site. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the days when parallax didn't exist. Ah, uh, there's there's even a guest book. So there is uh 
They just need like a like an old fashioned message board. Uh yeah, I see a guess, I do see the guest book. I see the visit counter under there. Uh Oh yeah, the visit counter. And if you just refresh over and over again, it'll just keep counting. Oh yeah. That's how they work back in the day. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Awesome. All right. Um And I you know, I don't know if it's I'm going to reload the site here real quick. There are, uh, if you if you scroll down, um, gosh, I don't know what port, part this is, but it has Nick Fury's face real big, and it says "Top Secret," and it's flashing, and he's petting a dog in the background. There are three yeah, pictures I've here. It out. Oh, you shouldn't! <laughs> you shouldn't! You should see this because there are three pictures, and one of them is a broken image. So what do you mean a broken image? It's oh, like the like it has no source file, right? And right. If right. you if you look at the image tag, because this is coded in basic HTML, it seems like. I'm looking at the HTML code of it. And this is uh, under Marvel, Movies, Captain Marvel, Assets, Images, Fury, Excelsior.jpg. So I wonder what Excelsior.jpg is. Stan Lee moment. Yeah, I don't know why the image isn't there, though. Hmm. Maybe whoever was in charge of building that thing, you know, put it up without uh, the proper permissions and it was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, an Easter egg they don't want dropped. Well, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's an Easter egg, but I'm pretty sure it's not that. It's the fact that they want that to be broken. Nothing on this site right. is by accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's got to be true. Yeah. So eh, that might uh, that might be interesting. Who knows? All right. So, let's see here. You're the next one. The next one here is just some brief television news. Uh, oh, my God. Television's longest-running primetime scripted show in history will get longer. The, uh, the Simpsons has been renewed for both their 31st and 32nd seasons, which will bring the show up to a record-holding 713 episodes uh, by the time those seasons end. I think we actually talked about this the last time they were renewed for the last two seasons, actually, which kind of shows you how long we've been talking about stuff on this show now. Yeah, we've been talking um, for a while. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so 31st and 32nd seasons. Um, they go into a bunch of numbers and everything, I believe, in this article uh, about their ratings and you know where they still rank. They're averaging a 1.9 out of 1.9, I don't know, out of seven among adults 18 to 49, 4.8 million viewers, uh, multi-platform average audience of 7.5 million viewers, an 82% gain uh, from live same-day delivery, all kinds of just like, you know, inter-industry speaks that I don't necessarily understand. Um Still ranks as one of the top five uh, among adults, 18 to 49, and the number two among adults, 18 to 34. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? You know, to still be ranking in the top five and everything after 31 seasons or after 30 seasons. You're talking to like the one human being on the face of the planet that doesn't care for The Simpsons. 
You can't argue with success. Uh, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's nostalgia. I'm telling you, man, it's still pretty good show. Uh, it has ups and downs, of course, but it's and it's never going to be as groundbreaking as it was 30 years ago. But uh, it's still relevant. You know, I, I think they still do a good job. Hmm. Whatever you say there, buddy, you're right in their right. demographic. Well, we'll move on to the next thing, which is something else that we've talked about several times over the course of uh, of this podcast, uh, and that is the Deadwood movie on HBO. Uh, we were pleased to announce last summer that uh, HBO was going to move ahead with a Deadwood uh, revival movie, and they have now announced sort of uh, when it will hit the airwaves. Uh, now, they haven't given a specific date itself, but the movie will... Um, uh, premiere on HBO in this spring of 2019. Uh, you can expect essentially everyone back from the original series, except of course for Powers Booth, who sadly passed away, uh, you know, in the last year or so. But uh, and of Deadwood, right? Oh God, I love Deadwood so much. It, uh, yeah, so it's it's cool that the and, and that kind of coincides being spring 2019, uh, depending on when they try to slide it in, like that's going to coincide with uh, Game of Thrones returning for its final season as well, because I believe Game of Thrones comes back in April, I believe. Uh, so, uh, you know, that would be right there in the middle of spring. So depending on whether this debuts in something like, you know, March or whether they might wait until after Game of Thrones is over to debut this or whether they're going to do them at the same time, you know, I don't know. HBO tends to kind of like stack their stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, Game of Thrones will end and then Westworld will begin and then Westworld will end and something else starts. You know, uh, they don't tend to air a lot of stuff. But seeing as that this is uh, just a movie and not uh, like a revival series or anything. But uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I mean, this, if I remember correctly, Deadwood might have been the show that introduced me to Ian McShane. Right. Uh, which is by far one of my favorite humans in the acting world. And I've, obviously, we've spoken at length multiple times about the big rubbery one I have for Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> so. I love Timothy Oliphant series. Great. <laughs> He's and, awesome. and I think uh, obviously I had seen him in other things, uh, but Deadwood was probably the first thing that I really was like, oh, I like that guy, you know? Yeah. And then I started watching Justified. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if, if you've never watched Justified, that's, you've you've got to watch that show. That's uh, the reincarnation of Tim of uh, Bullock from right right so uh him justify just him and um the guy I can't think of um Walter Goggins uh, Walter Goggins yeah Walton Goggins, Walton Goggins uh, who played uh yeah who played Boyd Crowder uh, those two are just fantastic on on Justified. So, yeah, that that was uh, that Deadwood was definitely the show that I uh, where I really recognized who Timothy Oliphant was. So, I kind of want to rewatch Justified now. <laughs> it was a really good show. It was. It was <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. Uh, I actually saw something. This is com- you know completely off the topic, but it's kind of TV related. Uh, I saw that the guy who cre- who created that show, you know, who was like the showrunner for Justified, his name was Graham Yost. 
uh, he had signed a new deal. I saw to to produce a like an animated series. I believe uh, it was it was something it was something out of the ordinary. Um, but uh, I had just it caught my eye because it said you know justified justified creator starting a new project or something like that. But well, cool. obviously I didn't find it, you know, interesting enough to bring up during the podcast for an actual item. But since we just randomly stumbled upon justified, I thought I'd mention it. Sure. All righty. Well, uh, that's the end of the blurbs. So let's go ahead and kick into gaming, gaming news. Um, I only got one thing for gaming and I just stumbled across this, uh, when I thought it was, uh, it was a little. It was an outrageous enough uh, situation that it needed to be touched on. Uh, a lawmaker from Pennsylvania has put forth a bill. Uh, this comes from GameSpot that proposes a ten percent excise tax on violent video games. This is called House Bill One Hundred Nine, and they they call this a sin tax, basically, Ooh. and it's for any game that's uh, rated M or adults only which I don't know how many games you're going to find that are adults only that aren't just available online, but okay. Uh, and it goes to, uh, this is what bothers me. It's not that they want to tax them. I mean, that, that bothers me too. But what bothers me more is that this uh, tax goes into a fund called the Digital Protection for School Safety Account. That to me implies that the violence in video games is causing the violence in schools. Well, yeah, and I mean, I so feel many, like that is what they're trying to imply. So many studies have been done that show that that is not true. Not even a little. So, I don't like the insinuation there. Uh, also, this would mean between, and this is on top of sales tax, which you already pay uh, for state and local. So, this means that a game that's $60 could possibly end up costing you 70 bucks if it's a mature title. And considering mature titles, just like R-rated movies, are the highest rated and most bought games on the market, this is not a small amount of money. You know? I mean, what are what's your take on it? The guy who uh, uh, proposed this bill specifically said last year when explaining it that he believes that video games are one factor contributing to the rise and in intensity of school violence. So, I mean, he straight up says it. There's oh, yeah. no denying. Oh, yeah. I like, uh, there's a quote down here in the bottom. It says, numerous authorities, including scientists, medical professionals, government agencies, and the U.S. Supreme Court found that video games do not cause violence. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a decent group of people to listen to. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I I think uh, this is not going to do anybody any good. Um, I don't know if you pay sales tax. Let me think. I don't think you pay sales tax on digital downloads. So I wonder if this would uh, apply to digital downloads as well. Because if not, then you're basically, if you put this into place, you are killing brick and mortar stores. Because that will be one more leg up on brick and mortars that onlines have. If you put it in place and it applies to online, I still think you're screwing brick and mortars over. Because since online games don't have sales tax, even with this tax, it will still be cheaper 
to buy a game online than it is to go to the store and pick it up. It was already easier. Now you're just making it cheaper. And brick and mortars go bye-bye. They're going to be the Indian on the side of the road shedding a single tear as you throw a bag oh, of I trash mean, out of just Let's think about that for just a second here. I mean, what's the only brick and mortar game store that's really out there? And it's GameStop. And at this point, do any of us really care if they go bye bye? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, I, when was the last time you were met anybody who was like, "Man, I can't wait to go to GameStop." <laughs> you know, it's get funny. Ripped off. I saw I saw a meme that said that um, GameStop backed out of a sale. With yeah. the company because they <laughs> found out they were only worth like three dollars and thirty cents in in-store credit. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was just like a it was like a like a real situation regarding their stock prices and the sale and whatnot. And then, you know, basically it was somebody equating that to, you know, oh, they found out that they were only <laughs> worth such and such and three dollars in trade in value. <laughs> uh they're getting their comeuppance, that's for sure. I'm not too concerned, honestly, no. about that aspect of this whole thing. Well, I'm not concerned about the aspect for like GameStop. I'm more concerned. I mean, just in general, you know, uh, brick and mortar stores, you know, like um, does Barnes and Noble still sell video games? I don't know if they do. They might not. I mean, they basically they sell to. anything like that. They sell all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, I think that's how they've stayed in business is because Barnes and Noble isn't really a, you know, a straight up bookstore anymore. You know, yeah. like they've got, especially because they've also, at least I feel that they have kind of embraced the, you know, the geek culture and things like that. You that know, helps. when you go into, uh, yeah, when you go into Barnes and Noble, like there's a large section devoted to like, Gaming, like, you know, game, board, board right, gaming and stuff, right? Stuff that you would used to find at your local comic shop or whatnot, you know, that the fantasy shop or things like that, you know, you can go in there, you can go into Barnes and Noble and get yourself, you know, all the Dungeons and Dragons supplies you need, you know, th- you know, so they've definitely embraced that whole aspect of everything. I think that's kind of what kept them in business while, uh, say, what was the other one? Borders, yeah. you know, went under. So, I mean, this two other laws have been put forth uh, for this situation, you know, to, to tax mature-rated video games in the past. Neither of those took hold, and they're both passed over. So let's just hope that this one is the same. Because I don't want video games to get any more expensive than they already are, because it is an expensive damn addiction to have as it is. I may not smoke, but I play video games, and damn it, it's... Pretty expensive. You play video games and you smoke, so you're just screwed. But uh, yeah, but I don't play video games nearly as much as you know <laughs> as I do. That's true. That is very true. I did buy you a copy of Genital Jousting, though. <laughs> Say so. <laughs> and now that you have space on your computer, you could install it on there. I bet it. Yeah, would, it might run that game. I don't know for sure. We're gonna have to find out. I'm not interested in finding out. Yeah, I got you a copy. Uh, you're going to hurt my feelings if you don't redeem it. Not that that gives you any kind of pause, but, you know. All right, so that's the end of gaming. I have to tell you something, Trevor. It's time for TV news. As per usual, Sean, you're pretty much responsible for this entire section. So after last 
I guess seasons, uh, big announcement that uh, Andrew Lincoln would be leaving The Walking Dead. And then soon followed by Lauren Cohen, uh, it was just recently announced that another one of the main characters, another one of the, you know, the big stars of AMC's hit uh, The Walking Dead would be exiting the series. And that actress is Denai Gurira, who plays uh, Michonne on The Walking Dead. She has announced that she will be leaving uh, after this coming season. And that uh, I believe uh, it says here under her, she signed a new deal and she will return in a limited capacity described as only a handful of episodes that will be interspersed throughout season 10. So um, big star leaves the show, you know, just a, the, the evolution of this show. I don't know how much more it can, you know, how much longer it can go on. You know, um, I think I've been watching it since it was in five, since it was in season two. And, uh, at this point it's one of, it's, it's one of those shows, uh, like several other in, in my, in my queue of shows that I watch where I'm kind of just waiting for them to pull the plug, you know? Um, but I know AMC is just trying to milk this thing for everything it's worth. And, you know, they've planned spinoffs. They've already got spinoff on TV and they've planned the movies with Andrew Lincoln. And now that's one aspect of this that kind of intrigues me is that, uh, with her leaving the series that does open her up to appear and star in the movies with Andrew Lincoln, um, give me some closure in regards to that storyline. Um, you know, after his exiting of, of the show, you know, it was, it was left basically up in the air as to, you know, everyone from the, from the actual series believes Rick to be deceased. And we all know that he's not, and he's living elsewhere, you know, with a group of whatever weird cultists took him away or whatnot. Um, I just, didn't, it didn't sit well with me, you know, the fact that uh, those characters are all supposed to be living their lives and, and the show jumps, you know, five years into the future or whatnot. And, and clearly they still at that time believe Rick to be dead. So at least five years goes by before Michonne will ever, you know, learn that, that Rick's not actually dead. So I'm hoping that, you know, that's something that they can do with her exiting the show is bring her in and kind of at least me personally give a little closure to that part of the storyline. But uh, other than that, I think, you know, obviously Norman Reedus signed a new contract, so he won't be leaving the show anytime soon. But I think it's kind of time to put this one to bed, don't you? Yeah, it's been going long enough. And I, I mean, I stopped. I don't even remember what season it was. It was after you stopped way back when you were complaining about people mowing the grass at the prison or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. well, no, did was the farm after the prison or before? Farm was before the prison. Farm was okay. So yeah, it, it must have been right. Uh, let's see. It was right after Rick's wife bit it. I stopped watching. It was a long time ago, dude. <laughs> um, what about? Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Um, when did they blow up the CDC? Spoilers, by the way, but that was like it's season one. Really? <laughs> yeah, the Shit. CDC was in like Seems season like one or been two. Way yeah. sooner than that. Yeah, no, right. that was like one of the very yeah, first. 
yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, the I, prison was yeah. The prison was way after that. Yeah, so the prison was my last my last foyer into that. Um, meh. Yeah, they it needs to it it needs to just go. All right. Well, let's see what was the next story we've got here. EC Comics teams up with Hive Mind. So this is something that I wasn't. I guess I wasn't uh, necessarily familiar with the with the brand. The comics is the legendary comic book publisher behind subversive and sublime brands like Tales from the Crypt, Weird Science, Two-Fisted Tales, and Mad Magazine. Uh, obviously, I'm familiar with Mad Magazine, you know, and Tales from the Crypt and things like that, but I just didn't know EC Comics. You know, that just didn't, uh, um, you know, but uh, they've inked a deal with Hivemind, which is the production company behind Netflix's The Witcher series and the upcoming Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which I believe had a Super Bowl commercial. Um, those two have come together and will partner on two new projects, Weird Fantasy, a television series based on the classic EC anthology series, and a biopic of EC publisher William M. Gaines, who was a firebrand figure in comics history and an infamous name to cultural crusaders of the 50s who targeted EC as a purveyor of prurient material that directly led to juvenile delinquency. So that's kind of like, you know, you complaining about the full video games, you know, uh, you know, that's what that's what comic books dealt with back in the 50s and apparently this guy was one of the main targets because he published the oddball stuff even back then you know uh or the stuff that we consider even oddball stuff now he was publishing back then so he was apparently you know the 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 one of the main targets here so it sounds like his uh, biopic might actually be pretty interesting <clears throat> when i first read the two projects that they were working on obviously a television series on based on weird fantasy is is far more up my alley but uh after you know uh reading a little bit about who this dude is his his biopic actually sounds uh pretty interesting yeah i like uh i like i like biopics just in general but when it's uh you know kind of a kind of a, almost i hate to say weirdo but uh you know, strange people or off kilter people. I really like it. I don't know why. So this guy was. Uh, I never, never uh, until now. I'd never actually heard of weird fantasy. Uh, it's just. An, I, I think they said it in one point. It only was published between 1950 and 1953. Oh. So it's like the fantasy version of because uh, Weird Science. Obviously, you've heard of the movie Weird Science. Sure, sure. Um, that's the that you know that was the same thing. Like Weird okay. Science, it says uh, that was their sister publication. Yeah. Um, yeah, Weird Fantasy was the sister publication of Weird Science, which was adapted right. by Joel Silver for the 85 namesake film. Mm -hmm. And during its relatively short-lived publication run from 50 to 53 it featured dark tales of sci-fi and fantasy often with wry twist endings macabre trappings and social messages tucked inside its vividly illustrated parables huh. uh, it's just a fantasy you know uh, uh, offshoot of weird science so you know obviously it's just kind of like a like a tales from the crypt or like a, a twilight zone or you know uh, uh, black mirror uh, to get real current you know sounds like that kind of thing uh, let's see here. 
anything else I wanted to point out in the article. Both projects will be produced by Kathy and Corey Mifsud, Gaines' daughter and grandson. Interesting. Oh, yeah, I see that right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything, it, it just says, like, who's producing it, but it doesn't say anything about, like, what networks or anything these might be airing on. Um, so, uh, oh, but it does, that's what I saw down here at the bottom. So, Hive Mind. Uh, already, let's see, Hive Mind was established in 2018, and, and they also currently produce The Expanse uh, for Amazon, which is a sci-fi series that I believe uh, originally began on FX, or no, the Sci-Fi Channel. And I believe when the Sci-Fi Channel canceled it, Amazon purchased it. It's yeah. based off of a series of, of, uh, of books uh, by the same name. Mind already kind of has a relationship with Amazon, and this kind of thing kind of seems up Amazon's alley, especially with their recent uh, uh, making use of um, Philip K. Dick's stories to make you know like an anthology series uh, on uh, based on all of his works. Uh, something like uh, Weird Fantasy sounds like it might be up their alley, but that's just me speculating. So, hmm. hey, bring on the weirdness! Why the hell not? So the next story we've got here is another uh, anime or not animated, another uh, comic book that I was not uh, necessarily familiar with, and that is Terry Moore's Motor Girl. We have recently, well, he announced, I believe, uh, on, his, on his Twitter feed, uh, is developing a pilot script based on his Motor Girl's series for read this morning that since then that tweet has been deleted and that hulu has not firm you know any of this but uh just in case you're a fan of terry moore apparently he is an indie comics legend you know i'm not uh i'm not that well versed in in most of my comic books especially but uh it says that he is an indie comics legend according to comicbook.com and uh, the series itself sounds kind of interesting to me. It centers on a veteran struggling with PTSD while operating a car repair garage frequented by aliens. That that alone sounds sounds funny and interesting to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm reading the plot on Wikipedia of the comic book, and it sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, by, by uh, listening to us every week or every two weeks, you know, and like with next flicks, something short, sweet, and to the point. And if it, if you can catch me, you know, and and that does, you know, a veteran struggling with PTSD while operating a car repair garage frequented by aliens. What? <laughs> that gives me just enough to pique my interest and and wanna and wanna check it out. So yeah, so uh, if, if the one that I've got. Uh, talks about you know she's a U.S. Marine serves in Iraq War, uh, survives two IED attacks, gets tortured as a prisoner of war, has PTSD, and let's see she spends her days talking to Mike, her imaginary friend who is a gorilla. One afternoon, Libby yeah, it says here Motor Girl centers on a girl and her best friend, a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, he's imaginary. It makes it even better. I love it. I can't wait. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, it says the pair work together fixing cars at a gas station desert, and one day they're approached by an alien with a damaged UFO. Yeah. He helps, she helps him on his way, and word of what services make her little girl a UFO hotspot, attracting the attention of an investigator from 
Area 51 about this, the more I love it. This all sounds fantastic. Cool. I'll check. I'm going to check out the comics and uh, the wait. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's something. Uh, uh, keep that. Uh, you should usually like write that down and remind me of that when we go to Wizard World this year, because I'm always searching for like, you know, random graphic novels to pick up because I don't have enough of that comic book kind of stuff, you know. And uh, and this is something I enjoy reading, you know, along because I'm always searching for chew. You know what I mean? So, yeah, taking a good. note right wow. now, Sean. Um, there you go. Comics. Yeah, so hopefully, look for. Hopefully, uh, this this moves forward at, at Hulu, and that him deleting that tweet and them not confirming anything is just them wanting to be hush hush about it, not him like overstepping his bounds in regards to whether or not an actual deal had been struck or something. So, all right. Cool. And moving right along, the next story I've got for you is King news. So uh, I'm not a huge Stephen King fan, a huge horror fan, but uh, uh, this particular book is one that I've never actually read, uh, and I know it's not specifically like all, like you know his his graphic horror n- n- genre, but that is The Stand. And uh, I know back in the day when we were young, they did a stand TV movie, didn't they? Isn't that how they did this earlier when we were when we were kids? Uh, this, Do you even recall? Uh, I'm, I'm barely. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure it was a two part TV movie back in like 90, 94. Now I was a year off. So yeah, mini series. Okay. Um, so CBS all access once again, CBS all access really stepping up here, man, uh, has given a 10 episode, the stand, a new adaptation of Stephen King's bestselling novel as a limited event. Um, so I guess they're not committing to this being, you know, um, a full fledged TV series, but at least a 10 episode limited event, uh, based on the book. The project hails from Josh Boone from The Fault in Our Stars and SEAL Team creator, executive producer Ben Cavill and CBS Television Studios. So uh, they penned the adaptation and uh, Boone will direct it. Awesome. See if they have. Uh, I don't think they have. I mean, I know what the stand is about, but I've never read the book or watched that uh, miniseries. So again, I was never a huge <clears throat> Stephen King fan. I know, yeah. I know what it's about, but for anyone uh, who doesn't, uh, let's see. It's basically uh, post-apocalyptic. Yeah, Stephen King's apocalyptic vision of a world decimated by plague and embroiled in an elemental struggle between good and evil. The fate of mankind rests on the frail shoulders of the 108-year-old Mother Abigail and a handful of survivors. Their worst nightmares are embodied in a man with a lethal smile and unspeakable powers, Randall Flagg, the Dark Man. So yeah, it has more of a it's 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 a post-apocalyptic, but it also has you know a Stephen King element to it. You know, there's a very like weird mystical well, supernatural element. It's the to man it, in know? black from the Dark Tower. Everything goes into right. The dark everything tower. is the man in black from the Dark yeah, Tower. Yeah, everything is the Dark Tower. So just read the Dark Tower and don't worry about the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've never read the story either. I do recall the series when I was young. Uh, I believe my my older brother was a fan, and I remember I recall him watching it when it when it was on television. But uh, I was never a never a huge horror or Stephen King fan. Okay. Okay, and the last thing we've got for you is more Stephen King news. Uh, to stay on the theme, and like you were just saying, everything is the Dark Tower. Uh, Amazon has set a production schedule for the Dark Tower television series. So apparently this was something that had been discussed a lot back when the movie was being produced. And originally there was even talks of having uh, multiple movies all interspersed with a series of the television show that would tell um, uh, almost like prequels, you know, the bits of history uh, in, in the gunslingers past, things like that. And I guess with the lackluster performance of the movie, those talks fell off and, and everything kind of just went by the wayside. Uh, from what I read, either in this article or others, Amazon wanted to distance themselves from the poor reception of the film. And that's why they've waited, you know, like two years now before beginning production on their Dark Tower television series. And uh, and there is very little known, I believe, about uh, who is going to be portraying who or anything like that. Uh, they have set a production schedule of mid-April, and they will begin filming in Croatia. And they're expected to film until late June. Okay. <clears throat> um, I didn't hate the movie. It. I think the problem was they just tried to put too many books into one movie. I mean, this is a... Uh, just a hell of a long An eight book series, yes, right? Eight book series, and each book is like a thousand pages. I mean, the books yeah. are long. You can, and they tried like to put trying to. That's like trying every time they try to do something with Robert Jordan's novels, The uh-huh. Wheel of Time. It's the same way because there's yeah. like what twelve or thirteen of those. Everyone's a thousand pages, and they try to do something with it. It's like okay, you can make like half of the first book into a two hour movie. You know, that's the, exactly. <laughs> you're going to have to make so many movies to 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 really do justice to these guys' works because they're just really really large. Yeah, and it actually it bummed me the hell out because Idris Elba as the gunslinger is Roland Deschain was fantastic. He was such a good pick. But I mean, I like, never read any of the books. The, the only the only thing I ever read was uh I read like a a a short story that was in um you know, a collection of short stories that was a gunslinger prequel or something like that. So that's and and so we're just like a very limited, you know, uh introduction to the character. And, but I did watch the movie and, and I, and honestly, like I thought the movie was pretty cool. Um, but I could tell from, even from an outsider's perspective, being someone who wasn't familiar with, with all the books or anything, I could tell that they were trying to cram so much information into that film that it was, it was hard to follow or it made the entire over, you know, overarching story just meaningless you know uh there was just too much they were trying to explain in regards to everyone's motivations you know 
Yeah. Yeah. It was from aesthetic. You know, it was aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you know, I thought the actors did a good job. Oh, yeah. I think I think that movie it was really the the re- the writing, you know, yeah. the the actual the, that was that was the problem. Everything else was beautiful and brilliantly done. Oh yeah, because Idris Elba as Roland Deschain, and then um, uh, Matthew McConaughey as Martin, the Man in Black, was just uh, two uh, two of the best people you could get for those roles. So yeah, I think you're right. I think the writing just <laughs> just crapped on everybody. It says Amazon Studios has begun looking to assemble a cast ahead of the mid-April start of production in Croatia. So, I mean, I guess if we hear more about who's been cast, obviously we'll talk about it because that's kind of normally I don't go over a lot of casting news. But, you know, we do whenever they cast somebody important like the gunslinger. Sure. uh, You know, if we hear more about it, we'll we'll let you know. That's real nice of you, Sean. Real nice of you to just that's all for TV to let them know. I'm, I'm they appreciate that. No, they do. Tech news. <laughs> all right. Uh, we had a little bit of a scare. Um, a California family recently had a, a situation where their nest cam started spouting off nuclear war- missile warnings. <laughs> What? Saying that uh, North Korea had launched ICBMs towards the United States and so on and such forth. And they were freaking out. Um, turns out, you know, what we're, what most people were afraid of is, oh, crap, Nest Cam got hacked. And now we're all screwed and they're going to have to change security and all this stuff. Not the case. What happened is the family had really bad passwords. Not necessarily bad passwords, but passwords that were used a bunch of different places. Somebody hacked their account and used the uh, you know broadcast voice feature on their camera to basically just broadcast whatever the hell they wanted to. Uh, basically, this is a cautionary tale. Don't use the same password everywhere unless you're using it on something you don't give a crap about. It's just the way you got to use your passwords nowadays. <laughs> Who does this? This is just like, that's just such a weird um, hack, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, they've got this be these people's passwords, and this is what we're going to do to teach them a lesson. We're going to tell them there's a nuclear war going on. Like, that's, <laughs> that's so creative. I love it. Yeah. So, I, you know, at least turn on two-factor authentication if it's available. Because then... If you got a crappy password, they can guess your password, but they may not be able to get your authenticator. Um, so, you know, it's a better than nothing, but God damn it, people, you got to use better passwords. So, uh, North Korea did not launch missiles. Uh, the family didn't, um, go into the bunker and begin to eat their children. So everything is okay. And hopefully they've changed their password by now. If not, well, you deserve what you get. Uh, okay, uh, if you're like me and you hang on every word and puff that Elon Musk has in life, you would have saw on Twitter, he shared footage of SpaceX's new latest Mars rocket test. If you get a chance, I've linked it in the show notes, watch it. It's freaking awesome. Um, So, I mean, this is, 
kind of inside baseball for me. I love space stuff. I love all things having to do with space. The only reason it's in the text section is because it's SpaceX. Um, the new it's uh, the the engine is codenamed Raptor, uh, and it's a methane fuel powered uh, rocket. Uh, most people uh, who are into space and space or exploration and rockets and things know that we use a oxygen hydrogen rocket for m- most things that's kind of the standard um so or uh, sorry not oxygen hydrogen it's uh oxygen um kerosene uh is what they've been using oxygen hydrogen i believe is what the space shuttles uh, used before they were out i'm not sure what we're using right now in nasa they don't i don't think they send quite as many rockets up as they used to you know that whole budget cut thing so um merlin is the code name for the current engines they are using a liquid oxygen kerosene mix um so now with the new methane fueled rockets they did a test on warm propellant which you know warm is a very relative term when you're talking about liquid methane but um i'm trying to get yeah here we go the engine hit 170 bar um and one, this is the big one, 116 metric tons of force. So that means that technically this engine could lift something by itself that weighed 115 metric tons. It could actually get, you know, forward momentum on something that heavy. Um, and here's the kicker. Not only was it running with warm fuel, but the Raptor was only at 60% power. Uh, so Elon Musk says he expects another 10 to 20% increase from performance when they switch to uh, cryogenic temperatures on the fuel. And, uh, let's see here. Uh, the power levels they need, um, it did end up hitting 172 metric tons of force with a chamber pressure of 257 bars. That is actually what they're needing for the super heavy rocket booster on that uh, shiny stainless steel rocket that uh, he tweeted out a picture of a while back. Um, that rocket sits on top of a booster, and that booster is what most of these engines are being designed for. Uh, he said that uh, this could mean that the rocket could reach Mars as early as, or, well, could be sent to Mars, because we know it takes roughly 18 months to get there. But uh, it could be used for trips to Mars as early as 2022. So, uh, Sean, you signing up for a trip to Mars anytime soon? Uh, nah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So, d- check out the article. The article uh, from Engadget has all the videos that Musk uh, tweeted out. Some of these videos, they just look just spectacular. I I don't know what it is about a rocket engine that's firing, but it just looks so cool to me. So, yeah. Just a little bit of geekery. All right. This next one is kind of a twofold. Um, Fitbit has created a new fitness tracker. It is bare bones, uh, as cheap as can possibly be. Doesn't do the base model doesn't do anything but track basic fitness. The uh, upgraded model HR actually tracks uh, GPS and heart rate. Uh, let's see here. Let's try to see if they mention a name of it. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't really have that much of a name, but that's because it is designed to be sold in partnership with either your employer. Inspire. Is it the Inspire? Okay. Company's new Inspire is a fitness oh, band intended for companies that plan to issue wearables and perfect. Masks. Yeah, Inspire or Inspire HR. Ah, I see the I see Inspire now. I thought that was in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's it's made basically for your either an employer to hand out to their employees or an insurance company to hand out to their insurees. Insurer no. Insurer how do you what would what would someone who subscribes to an insurance company be called? An insurer? Insured. Insured. To their insured. So yeah. Um my employer it's it basically if your employer gives you this it's kind of the oh we want you to be healthy blah 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 we basically don't want you to cash in on your insurance uh. um which is fine if you're if your employer wants to give you this and you're willing to wear it sure why not uh, what about the insurance company how do you feel about that if your insurance what company gives you this and says here you go we'll give you a we'll give you a 10 dollar a month discount if you wear this if you wear it, or if I have to meet certain, you know, criteria, you know what I mean. Well, like if they're like, if they're like, hey, I'll give you a ten dollar month discount if you just wear this and let us collect data, I'd be like, sweet, give it to me. Okay. Uh, but if it's like, you know, oh, you get a discount if you wear this and you meet these certain goals or whatnot, yeah, I'm not doing that just now, because I'm not going to try extra hard, and I'm I'm sure I'm not going to meet the goals when I don't try. So I'm not going to let you entice me into exercising. <laughs> Now, my question is, what happens when your insurance company comes back two years later and says, you know, due to your fitness tracking um, information, we need to raise your insurance rates by $100 a month because you don't get enough exercise? Well, I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> ballgame now, isn't it? Well, that's my question. Is it something you're going to I mean, my insurance do? company already does, you know, like a healthy living discount and stuff like that. Like, you know. Uh, a discount, the- yes. But what if that it wasn't a discount? They were just saying, you don't get enough activity on that activity thing we gave you. Uh, you agreed to wear it. So now we know either you broke your agreement or uh, you don't get enough you know, activity in your day. And now we're going to raise think- your rates. I think if they're smart, they wouldn't do it that way. And they would take, you know, like those new, those new readings that they want to charge me extra for that now becomes like the new baseline, you know, and they just raise everybody's rates to that level. And then if you want, you know, the, the, you know, they just make the healthy living discount, you know, bigger or what, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they, they wouldn't target the bad people. They would target everybody and then give the healthy ones an even bigger discount or an even steeper discount, something like that. I think that would be the smarter way to do it because then you make more money because you're raising everybody's rates. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then only giving a discount to those who can meet the certain goals or whatever, you know? Yeah. The end just justifies the means in that situation, you know? It's, you know, insurance companies are dicks and have been known exactly. to target all kinds of people in the past. So you're right. I mean, exactly. So I, I don't know. I mean, if your employer offers some sort of a healthy living uh, discount, which my previous one did, I believe my new one does. I'm not sure. Um, this might be something to kind of bring up to your uh, insurance department, your benefits department, however your company puts it, you know. Um, I There is no price uh, attached to this right now, but that's because, you know, that's going to go from deal to deal. You want 
you know, a hundred of these or you want 10,000 of these? It's going to get cheaper if you buy more. I can only imagine. So, yeah, might be interesting. Well, we'll have to see. All right. Uh, our next story, Google Fiber. I, I wanted Google Fiber to be so amazing. It just, it's not their fault that they let me down, but I'm still very disappointed. So Google Fiber is going to be pulling out of Louisville, Kentucky. That sucks. Um, They've had a bunch of installation failures in Louisville where they decided to start. um, They got in kind of a tift, and we talked about it when it happened. Uh, AT&T and I believe Charter, I think, uh, says later on in the article here. But I believe it was AT&T and Charter that they uh, ended up getting into a little tussle with. Um, about that was the one, I forget how they one touch ready rule, basically where Google couldn't hang fiber on the utility poles because they were owned by other companies and, uh, they couldn't move the cables that belonged to other companies. And they tried to get that one touch law put into place, uh, to, you know, avoid that problem. They ended up deciding to go with, uh, micro trenches instead so to actually bury the cables um it, it's a very interesting idea micro trenches but apparently it doesn't well, it work out that the, a micro trench is is uh generally about an inch wide and four inches deep but it says uh-huh. in louisville google google fiber reportedly was burying cables in nano trenches <laughs> that were just two inches deep nano trenches sound cooler they are not, however. <laughs> so uh, Louisville residents soon found exposed cables. Um, one resident said, when you're walking around the neighborhood, the lines are popping up out of the road all over the place, and people are tripping over them. That's a problem. <laughs> um, oop, just uh, just tripped on that cable and knocked out half the city's internet. That sucks. <laughs> um, so... They're going to be turning off the Google Fiber network uh, on April 15th. And those uh, people who are on the um, on Google Fiber right now, they're actually comping two months of service for them. Um, you know, it's it's a bummer because Google Fiber in that area, um, it was like a gigabit symmetric download upload for $70 a month or something like that. It was crazy cheap. Um, Google Fiber has said they don't have any plans to leave any other cities. Uh, they are using micro-trenching in Austin, Texas, for instance. Um, so hopefully they hang out in the other ones. It would It would be so nice for Google Fiber to get another foothold, find another way, and start bringing decent internet at a decent price back to users. Um, it actually says on here that uh, you know, AT&T, uh, let me find, is AT&T and Charter. Um, and they were very, they're, they're actually super happy about this going on, I'm sure, because they were having to um, match the prices of Google fiber in order to get customers because I mean, let's face it. If you can get, you know, $50 a month gets you a hundred megabits per second 
and 70 gets you one gigabit, you're not going to go with anyone who gives you less for more. You know, that's just not going to happen. So in that lawsuit you mentioned here, and they say that uh, AT&T's lawsuit regarding the one touch make ready ordinance was thrown out of court while Charter's lawsuit is still pending. Yeah. Regard and regardless of that lawsuit, Google went ahead and used the micro trenching technology instead of waiting for these lawsuits to play out so they could use the utility poles. So kind of jumping the gun has led to this shit show that they find themselves in now to an extent. But they claim that it has also led them to, you know, uh, learn more about it, which is why I guess it's still able to be, you know, implemented in wherever else you said they had it, like Austin, Texas or whatnot. Sure. And Google has said that they're going to leave the infrastructure in place how it is. They're going to they're going to get rid of the stuff that's a danger and leave the rest of the fiber uh, for Louisville, as in Louisville, the uh, city, to do with as they please. Uh, it would be nice if Louisville were to create their own munici- uh, municipal broadband, but there are laws in place in some cities and states that disallow that. Um, I bet you can guess who lobbied for those laws to get passed. <laughs> Uh, Another case of big ISPs winning another battle. Surprise, surprise. They will probably never end. Won't be the last that we hear from uh, Google Fiber, I hope, though. All right. This one, uh, this one sucks. I hate hearing about uh, companies that I like doing shady-ass things. Amazon has uh let's see it's like a service it's called flex and what it is is uh basically drivers will deliver packages to you just regular people kind of like uber um just for amazon packages um you know like grubhub delivers fast food to your door well flex flex delivers packages instead so they get there a little faster um and it promises its contract drivers base pay between 18 and 25 dollars an hour and you know that sounds awesome uh drivers can be tipped for instance that's kind of cool but amazon as i put in my show notes is giving them just the tip because they are actually dipping into their tips in order to supplement that 18 to 25 dollars an hour so basically, what ends up happening, instead of you getting $18 to $25 an hour from Amazon, if you get tipped $12, they may only give you $6 an hour uh, for an hour, you know, in order to, you know, you still get paid roughly $18 that hour, but most of it was your tip. So that sucks. That is a shitty way to do things. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's, it's very shady and, and strange the way they've structured, you know, their pay scale, at least based on that simple explanation there. I'm sure it's a little more complicated than that, but, uh, that's definitely odd. You know, I worked as a delivery driver delivering pizzas back in the day. And, you know, what I was going to say is that, Jobs are always advertised in the same manner, you know, like when you see a, a, a pizza joint, you know, advertising that they're hiring, it'll always say, you know, delivery drivers earn between, you know, 12 and $18 an hour or something like that. 
that advertisement right there specifically is specifically including uh, your estimated. Huh. When you work as a Domino's pizza delivery driver, or at least when I did back in the day, or any other pizza delivery chain, uh, you make essentially minimum wage. It's just like a waitress. You know how like waitresses make will 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 sometimes make under minimum wage, and 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 their tips are all included in in their in their pay. Um, and and I don't know exactly. You know I don't know the laws surrounding it all, but it's completely legal, I believe. You know, for restaurants to pay below minimum wage like that. Oh yeah. Uh, now when I worked for Domino's way back then, we made one penny more than the minimum wage. So like I distinctly remember when I got hired, I got hired in at $5 and 16 cents an hour. And that is your base pay. You make that no matter what, but everything else was tips that were added on to that. And you know, that's where they get the drivers make $18 an hour estimate. But it's not the same as what Amazon appears to be doing here, where they're guaranteeing you a base of anything. Whereas, you know, with those pizza places, they were only guaranteeing you a base of the $5 an hour. Plus, there would be like small incentives, like you would get, you know, 45 cents a delivery or something like that. And then, uh, you know, if you wore a car, a car topper, they would add the mileage, you know, like an additional 20 cents to your mileage or something like that. You know, uh, every store had its own things. And whether you're talking to every chain, you know, Domino's, you know, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, whatever, everybody paid differently, but they all paid similarly as well. So uh, Amazon, though, seems to be guaranteeing a, a much larger base salary, but then taking your tips into account for calculating that base. That's just really strange. You know, it's it's different than between advertising it and guaranteeing it, I guess, is where the the, the, the difference is between these two situations. Yeah, pretty much. It just even from the pizza companies, that's just so shifty. I just uh. didn't know that. Like when you would see like an advertisement that pizza delivery drivers make that much money, you didn't realize that they they only make that much money, including their tips. I guess I never really thought about it. I mean, I always tip my pizza. I always tip servers in general, whether they right. be delivery people or um, actual restaurant workers. I tip very well. Um, I'm one of those people that even if you treat me badly, I typically will tip you at least 15%. Uh, I catch flack from that from some of my friends and family. <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a lot harder too when you know to like manage money and things like that when you're when you're getting such a small sum in your in your regular paycheck and everything else just fluctuates on a nightly basis. Oh yeah. And and, and then when you do you know when you have a good night, it's like cash that goes straight in your pocket as opposed to you know direct deposits into your savings account and things like that. You know, and so that kind of stuff just tends to like get disappear into the gas tank or whatever a whole lot easier than it would if you had to, you know, make a purchase, I guess. Kind of, it sounds silly, but at least it, it was back in the day, you know. Nowadays, everything is electronic. I don't even use cash anymore at all anyway. Everything just comes immediately out of my account because everything's just debited, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always... Uh, when we were young. I've always said it would be really nice for anybody who can take tips in their day-to-day job to basically have like a little bitty card swiper thingy um kind of like a square or um you know but much more simpler just like a little box 
that lets the card go in, come out, be done. And it just automatically tips like 15%. And then you can push a button to add more if you want. Um, and then that goes directly into their account as opposed to touching their employer in any way, shape, or form. Uh, because if an employer is going to dick people around and make them live off of tips, I think the employer should be completely kept out of what they get for tips. You know, I I don't like the whole uh, minimum wage and tips idea in general. It angers me. I've never had to live. I never I've never had a job that was that way. So I can't speak to what it's like, but I know that it bothers me that some people have to deal with that. All right, uh, let's see here. Next on our list. And now time for movie news. Now time for movie news. That never gets old. And you're for this one. The only movie news story we've got for you this week. Uh, Jesse, do you want to be in a Kevin Smith movie? I could totally be a Silent Bob. And how many times have I pitched you that you I know. And I should dress up as Jay and Silent Bob before? Yeah. I've told you this before. Yeah. I've said we could go to Comic-Con like that. And now here is yet another opportunity. <laughs> so as we discussed in the last podcast, uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot is is officially you know uh, in production. Um, and Kevin Smith recently posted, I believe maybe it was on Instagram. I'm just going to assume at this point because that's what everybody uses now. Um, but uh, he put on some form of social media earlier this week that in the reboot, we'll have the need for a lot of Jay and Silent Bobs. So this is what uh, this is what Kevin tweeted or Instagrammed or whatever. It says, in the flick, we've got a convention scene that requires lots of at Jay and Silent Bob themed extras. So I'm inviting you to join us as those extras. I'm looking for all sorts of hashtag Jay and Silent Bob cosplayers of every gender, race, or nationality, as well as creative variations of Jay and Bob too, like steampunk Jay and Bob, Jedi Jay and Bob, (laughs) Rick and Morty Jay and Bob, Bat Jay and Bob, Ape Jay and Bob, Zombie Jay and Bob, Furry Jay and Bob, etc. The funnier or the more fucked up within reason and without harming yourself or others, the likelier you'll get featured in our shots. If you ever wanted to get on, get screen time in one of my dopey flicks, there won't be a better chance than this. <laughs> so uh, um, obviously, as Kevin explained, yeah, it was an Instagram post, I guess I see here in this uh, in this Cinema Blend article. Uh, obviously, Kevin needs lots of variations of Jay and Bob, and he provides uh, a casting company where you can send pictures and details of your costume too, and they will be making the final decisions. They're filming, I believe it said later this month in New Orleans. Um, so if you are interested in being in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot film, then get yourself a Jay and Silent Bob costume together and, uh, and uh, email them to uh, <laughs> what 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 kind of spin would we put on our costume? We can't just be Jay and Bob. Like there has to be something special about yours and our, you know, yours and mine cost yours and mine's costume uh in order to get us selected specifically. So like what I, variation of Bob do you and Jay do you wanna do you wanna be? Uh, I don't know. I really am not sure. 
Um, let's see here. Do you, uh, I know you see Bob smoke, but do you ever see Jay smoke anything but weed? I mean, I know Silent Bob, I see him every once in a while with cigarettes, right? Yeah, uh, you see Silent Bob smoke cigarettes, but I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen Jay smoke cigarettes. I don't think so. Yeah, so you could, as Jay, you could smoke cigarettes, number one. So that's a, that's a role reversal. And then we could be, I don't know. Geeky versions do, of them, maybe? Do you, do you think? Do you think that's enough? Like, no, do you not, think we no. Just I mean, do, well, no. I mean, like, if we just did like a role reversal, because I'm like the little, I'm like the skinny guy, and you're the big guy. But if we dressed you as Jay <laughs> and me as Bob, like, do you think okay. that's enough? Like, uh, do you, <laughs> that might be just enough of a, of a twist on it. You think so, Kevin Smith? Get back to us. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well i saw this like on friday i think is when it dropped and i was like it was like i was on my lunch break and i was just scrolling through you know my facebook feed or whatever and i saw this and i hopped up and ran over to somebody i knew would give a shit <laughs> and had to show <laughs> you know i was like look we could be in a kevin smith movie wow that's awesome <laughs> all right uh let's see here lol omg wtf was that more space shit so uh we already knew that eventually our closest neighbor the andromeda galaxy was going to swing by and fuck our shit up uh in the milky way turns out that's going to happen a little bit later than we expected so the original forecast was for 3.9 billion years before the two galaxies would uh collide uh, turns out that's going to be more like 4.5 billion years, so about 600, bi- uh, 600 million years later than we expected it to. Uh, when it happens, though, we're screwed <laughs> <laughs> because they're going to go together and turn into one giant super galaxy. You heard it here first, that's folks. Awesome. <laughs> That's really, truly, there was just nothing funny in the news, and this seems just incredibly interesting to me. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, you better get better get all your loose ends and your shit tied up before the next 4.5 billion years. <laughs> well, if you think about it, I wonder, you know, there's a, uh, I can't remember what it's called, Universal Simulator uh, on Steam. One of the simulations that it has stock that you can set up is the collision of the Andromeda and Milky Way galaxies. And it's scary as hell. It'll, woof. You gotta figure each of these galaxies basically, uh, theoretically, has a supermassive black hole in the middle of it. You know, so th- that's, a, that's a problem. You know. So you're gonna mark this on your calendar, Sean? Already have. Awesome. Me too. Me too. Just a reminder. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if Siri will do that. Hold on. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I think she's on silent. Hold on. Crap. I was going to have her. All right. Uh, set a reminder for 4.5 billion years in the future. Okay. I'll remind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, she set a reminder for the fifth, the fourth of May, two thousand nineteen, nine a.m. 
for billions years in the future. <laughs> she might be trying to tell me something. <laughs> so she said it for what? May 4th? Yeah, May 4th. Uh, so may the 4th be with you. Uh, for 9 a.m. in the morning. Billions years in the future. Thanks, Siri. You're helpful as always. God damn it. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> not 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 the best digital assistant I've ever had. We'll put it that way. I think uh, Google probably still owns that one. But oh well. All right. So we're gonna be covering uh, movies here. Next, flicks from when this podcast debuts on the eleventh until about the twenty second or so. I'm tired of locking down to specific dates nowadays. You're going to be lucky if I ever say the, like the, the names of dates again. Well, those are in 2017, so that's not right. And that's 2000. There we go. Okay. Ah, February 2019. Looks like the first date that I have available to me is 14th. We'll do the 14th. Okay, February 14th. I've got one. Fantastic. That was a weird date. Alita, Battle Angel. Mm, I've seen previews for this. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, Jackie Jackie Earl Haley, Christoph Waltz, Ed Skirin. Uh, Oh, man. Set several centuries in the future, the abandoned Alita is found in a scrapyard of Iron City by Ido a compassionate cyber doctor who takes the unconscious cyborg Alita to his clinic. What Next. Thank you. It was so long. Oh, my God. Already it's, it looks really weird, and I don't like the fact that it's like a bunch of actors and then like a CGI person or something. Like, I'm not even sure what is going on, but it just kind of creeps me out a little bit. She's. I don't think she's CGI. I think her face is CGI to make her eyeballs giant. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's definitely the giant eyeballs. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm not a fan. Me out and I don't particularly like it. Yeah, I am also not a fan. Okay, movies coming out February 15th. Wow. Lot, that's, that was an Owen Wilson situation there, wasn't it? <laughs> wow. Um, not a, They're all limited. Every damn one of them. What the I hell? I think there'd be stuff coming out like you'd think there'd be right? like... like, like rom-coms for valentine's day or something right exactly i was totally surprised huh all right they're all limited i'm just gonna pick one just for the hell of it go ahead uh let me see i'm gonna go by actors see if there's any actors i want to see in a weird ass something or other almost shit there's nothing all right random here we go got that one Oh god, this looks horrible. <laughs> uh Donnie Brooke. Um Frank Grillo, Jamie Bell, James Badge Dale. Oh. Three desperate souls must fight their way out of a dead-end world in this bracing, gut-punching glimpse into America's dark underbelly. Earl is a struggling ex-Marine and father, determined to make a better life for his family, no matter what it takes. Angus is a violent, unhinged drug dealer who leaves a trail of death and destruction in his wake. And Delia 
is a haunted woman who will do anything to escape the life of crime she can no longer bear. In their killer-be-killed world, <laughs> all roads lead to the Donnybrook, an illicit backwoods cage match <laughs> where their bare-knuckle bra- fighters brawl for a shot at a $100,000 prize. It's either a last chance for redemption or a death sentence. <laughs> wow. I got oh, no. They got really dark, really fast. Darn <laughs> cage match! What? What happened? Yeah, the Donny Brook. <laughs> okay, that was fun. I like that one. Oh man! All right. Well, you know, wasn't a horrible pick. Let's see. So now uh, we go on to. Uh, looks like twenty second. So that uh, the that Friday. <clears throat> How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Uh, Gerard Butler, Craig Ferguson, Jonah Hill, Kristen Wiig. Nice. Um, what began as an unlikely friendship between an adolescent Viking and a fearsome night fury dragon has become an epic trilogy spanning their lives. In this next chapter, Hiccup and Toothless will finally discover their true destinies. The village chief as ruler of Burke alongside... Next. Yeah, it... Yeah. It took too long. More of the same. If you like the other movies, you'll like this one. Move on. I don't know if my mic just wasn't cutting out or it's, was cutting in or whatever. You got to make like, a little I bit ne- of noise before I you next say to that next. thing like 15 damn times. Okay. You got to make a little noise and then say next because, and I think we'll talk about it after the show, but I think it's because you're using the web-based version of Discord. We're going to download the app at the end. <clears throat> Wonderful. Wee. Uh, let's Sticking see. around with computer shit. Oh, no, not dicking around. <clears throat> Fighting with my family. Uh, Lena Headley. Hetty, sorry. Uh, Nick Frost. Hey, cool. Dwayne Johnson. Vince Vaughn. <sighs> Reform Gangs. What? Is this, is this animated or anything? No, or? no. This is uh, live action. Reformed gangster and former wrestler Ricky, his wife Julia, daughter Saraya, wow, and son Zach make a living performing in tiny venues across the country. Rick and Julia want a better life for their children, and when brother and sister get the chance to audition for the WWE, it seems the family dream is coming true and their troubles will be solved. However, Saraya and Zach are about to learn that becoming a WWE superstar demands more than they will ever, um, more than they imagine possible as athletes and siblings. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird enough to be cool. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I kind of like it. Uh, you know, movies about wrestling tend to be pretty good because yeah. it is a pretty brutal sport, whether you, you know, think it's fake or not like you know the dudes get hurt and die and shit so yeah uh yeah it's pretty cool sounds sounds interesting that was our last one so uh sean the hell you up to see the only new content i could uh, remember consuming in the last two weeks was uh i watched a series on netflix it's a reality series kind of like a pawn stars type of deal uh, and it is called Slobby Robbie. Uh, <laughs> Slobby, Slobby Robbie is a guy who is obviously named after the garbage pail kids. 
And uh, Slobby Robbie owns a store in Tucson, Arizona called Generation Cool. And Generation Cool specializes in vintage uh, clothing and memorabilia from the 80s and 90s. So uh, obviously I started watching this, you know, for more of the like uh, nerdier, geekier stuff that I'd heard that he, you know, uh, that he that he dealt with. Yeah, I think there's a there's one point where somebody brings in a whole bunch of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figurines and things like that. But uh, he himself and his store really focus more on clothing and stuff like that. Uh, you know, even especially the high end stuff from when we were really young. You know, uh, just like vintage Gucci and Louis Vuitton and 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 even you know lower stuff like like when we were really young. Guess was really big. You know, uh, Tommy Hilfiger things like that. And uh, and they sell a ton of this of this vintage clothing and and it's kind of like in a like. Almost like a what's that show? Uh, American Pickers, you know. Like he goes and and buys this stuff at like Salvation Army thrift stores and things like that for a you know a a, a dollar a, a shirt, and then you know resells them to hipsters who specifically want you know a nineteen ninety three vintage champion basketball jersey. And and there's a lot of them that are out there. They're they're just like baseball cards, you know. Uh, there's jerseys that are for players that were only made for a brief period of time and are now really rare and limited editions and things like that so uh, i i found myself far more interested in all the clothing stuff than i thought i was going to be uh going into it so uh it was it was pretty cool i i enjoyed myself and he is a really strange guy you know he's one of those dudes that just like you know like google a picture of him and uh and and you'll see that like he's eccentric um uh, but uh you gotta give him you gotta give him credit man he's one of those dudes who's found his like specialized genius and has really monetized it and and does well so it looks like uh, the garbage pail kid Right. So I got a lot of respect for him, man. Uh, you know, like I, he's a good salesman too. You know, uh, there's an episode where a guy comes in to buy a, an, uh, um, an unopened Super Mario Brothers three Nintendo cartridge. And not only does he buy it and then they open it and play it, which I, I mean, you got to respect anybody who's willing to drop money on that kind of stuff and then play with it, you know? Um, so they, uh, they play the video game and then while they're playing it, the dude who had come in there to buy the video game, he's just happens to be wearing a pair of these like really classic plain, plain white Nike shoes and, uh, and slobby Robbie sells him on a custom sneaker upgrade right then and there that he charges him $600 for, uh, and then they take his, his vintage nikes and they customize them to make them super mario brothers three custom nikes and uh it, it, robbie's partner jr in the store does the artwork on the shoes and everything and he's just like an airbrushing master apparently because he really made these things look badass uh they they attached little tanuki tails to the back of the shoes and things like that and you know and they were removable so you didn't have to walk around with tanuki tails attached to you all the time but you could throw them on for you know uh photograph purposes and shit like that but uh the there's just the they, they were really good the concept was genius and the artwork the design that they implemented on those shoes was fantastic and i was just stunned by the fact that he the dude came in to buy a video game and then he s- sold him on the spot on a 600 dollars sneaker upgrade that's just ridiculous um so mad props to him for being a one hell of a salesman 
Hmm. Okay. I don't get the vintage thing as much as most people do, I guess. But hey, more power to him. I mean, I, 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 I don't see... I really don't see anything different with it than just like collecting anything else. You know what I mean? Hmm. We collect, you know, Funko Pops or, or whatever, you know, nerdy shit we may have around. You know, I collect variations of Monopoly, you know? Um, so, uh, like, what's, uh, what's the difference if you're that or you like to collect, you know, old starter hockey jerseys, you know? Uh, I guess I don't really collect anything. Maybe that's the problem. My wife's kind of like that. She doesn't really collect anything, uh, you know, I have, and I don't, I'm not like devoted to any of my collections, you know, like the monopoly thing kind of just evolved over time. Uh, and, and it still was only like, you know, I don't know, six or seven or eight different kinds of geeky monopolies, you know, but when I was a kid, I was really devoted to collecting baseball cards, you know, uh, and comic books. I collected comic books and X-Men cards for, for a very brief period of time. Um, and nowadays I just collect a lot of random stuff, you know, like everything, like I don't, I don't specifically collect, you know, Funko pops or anything like that, but, but I just have like very random toys and collectibles that I just stumble across or given to me as gifts. And I like to display all of my things, you know, in a collection, but it's not, uh, it's not like I go out and, you know, collect one specific item and every variation of it. I know there's a lot of people like that, but I've never gotten that into it. Gotcha. Alrighty. And the only other thing I could come up with uh, in the what the hell are you up to section, as you mentioned uh, many times already, I purchased a new wireless router and set that up earlier this week. Uh, I purchased the same Netgear that I had, uh, you know, discussed on the last podcast. Um, got a, I got a lightning deal on it. You know, like I believe the router was originally like, you know, list price is one twenty nine, And then, uh, uh, Amazon had always had it on sale at like a running eighty nine ninety nine, And then it went on a lightning deal to sixty nine ninety nine, And then there was a $10 coupon at the register. <laughs> and so I got it for fifty nine ninety nine. I couldn't help but pulling the trigger when I got that little notification on my phone. So I actually, <laughs> I will tell you what, like, uh, use that Amazon shopping app and like uh, you can put stuff in your shopping list. And then if you just let it sit in your shopping list, that app will notify you when it goes on lightning deals and stuff like that. And that's what I did. Like I had it sitting in my shopping list and it was just sitting there. And then one night it notified me of the deal, like 15 minutes before the deal started. And, uh, and I was able to get online and, you know, look at everything and was like, well, I can't really pass this up now. Can I? So, um, you know, they got a sale out of it and, and I got a good deal off of it. So, uh, you know, I, I recommend using that, uh, that feature in the, uh, in the app. Basically Anson is eyes Johnson. I'm answering in my eyes, Johnson. My eyes, Johnson. I get it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the router setup went really, really easy. You know, I haven't set up a wireless router in, in eight years, you know, the last Netgear that I set up. And I had, you know, you've got back then, you know, the thing still came with like a CD, you know, to, to, to <laughs> install, uh, you know, to install drivers and stuff like that, you know. Wow. Uh, so uh, this router set up really easy, you know, came right out of the box, plugged it right in. Um, you download the Nighthawk app on your phone or your tablet or whatever. And 
you can immediately, as soon as you plug it into your modem, you can log in to the internet with the password and, you know, router username that are provided on the box and then choose your own passwords and username setup and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it was, it was way easier than it had been year in the, in the past. And, you know, uh, um, it was, it was done and every device in my house connected with really no problems at all. I was, I was pleasantly surprised, um, because, you know, I do still have two TiVo premieres that, that I'm working with, uh, that are pretty aged devices. Now, one of those is the only device that is, um, hardwired, you know, into the router. Uh, and that's the TiVo that it sits right next to in my family room, but the TiVo that is in my bedroom, uh, it's connected via a TiVo, a TiVo wireless adapter, which is all again, you know, old equipment. And, um, it, uh, it connected with, with no problems at all. I just did the quick factory reset and, you know, use the, what do they call it? The WPK button or whatever that thing is, you know, that like makes the little pulsing light. And, uh, cause that's how that wireless adapter connects and it connected in, in two seconds. So I was, I was, uh, very, uh, happy that, you know, even my old equipment, you know, all, all seemed to log on with no issues like the laptop that we've been using all day today. Uh, it's probably the oldest out of everything I've got here. And, and it, uh, it had no problem, you know, taking on the new network. I haven't had a router with a, a WPSK button for so long. Or WPS, that's what it was. It was WPS, WPS. Wi-Fi Protected Setup. Man. All right. So you would, uh, do, do you remember the actual model of it? Of what, the the, the router that I just installed? Yeah gear i think it's like ac 1750 okay would you suggest people buy that john or yeah i mean i've only had it on operation for like a week but so far i've had no issues um um as you said, there's been no instances of, you know, robotic voices while we've been talking today and um, other small issues that I still had, like whenever I would watch um, program, when I would stream a program between TiVos in my house, you know, through the wireless adapter from like my bedroom to my TiVo in the family room. And when I'm streaming it and not, not downloading it to the box, uh, I would, I would sometimes have network issues during that, uh, during that stream, especially like when fast forwarding through commercials and stuff, it would, uh, it would, it would lose connection and say that my network was too slow and stuff like that. Um, I have not encountered that. I either in in the last week uh you know but i've only streamed maybe one or two shows between tivos so not a whole lot of testing that's gone on um the only thing that i've noticed that i'm not too keen on and you and i discussed a little bit about this when i was looking for a router was that this netgear uh one of the features that it has that i liked was that it does have a usb port for uh what they call ready share you know where i can plug in like an external hard drive that's shared across the network and things like that um, I don't like the fact that the USB port itself is on the front of the modem or on the, on the front of the router rather, um, that USB plug on the, on the back of the router, you know, cause I just want to put it on the back of the router and, and plug that, that, uh, wire or that, uh, removable hard drive in and just set it back there, you know, in the entertainment center. 
plugged in in the front, you know, means there's like an extra cable that's like looped around the router or, you know, just like blatantly being displayed. I don't like that. Sure. The, that, that port needs to be in the back. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, for me, I bought a new 3D printer. So I finally fessed up and moved on from my little dual extruder printer that I've been using and moved up to the big leagues. Um, Are you going to give me your old one? No, I'm not going to give you my old one. (laughs) It's really expensive. That'd be a hell of a gift, Sean. Jesus. (laughs) Echo holder things like I sent you the, the photograph of that one day. I will print you whatever echo holder you want. So it's like a lot of work. You could just give me the old printer. I mean, yeah, but that's really expensive. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, it sounds like a lot of work for me to learn how to use it. And I don't want to. Yeah. And you're not so. going to do that. Hell no, you're not. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even go through the trouble of setting it up, let alone learning how to use it. Um, the new one I've got is the original Joseph Prusa I three Mark three. So it's uh brand new, exciting smart hotness out of uh Prusa 3d labs it's fan freaking tastic um all the smart features are amazing i bu- i bought it as a kit uh you can it's 800 dollars with shipping and taxes and everything uh all together uh as a kit so that means that they send you a box full of bags of parts and then you have to put it together from the ground up um Literally, there is. I'm trying to look at it and remember. The only thing that is assembled at all when you get it is that the power supply is in its bracket. That is literally the only thing that is put together when you buy the kit. You can buy it as a completed, tested, calibrated printer, but that's going to run you a starting price of $900, which is probably after taxes and VAT going to end up going up to probably about a thousand bucks. How much is it? If you buy it as the kit, um, total, it was just shy of $800. Oh, so it's $200 to have them build it for you. Basically. That's that. I'm paying for the, I'm paying for the fully built thing. (laughs) It, uh, it only took me about three hours to put it together. Um, $500 difference. Maybe. No, come on. It's so much more fun to put it together yourself because then you know how it all works. No, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> they send you all kinds of goodies with it. When you buy the kit, anyway, like I said, I can't speak to the fully assembled one. Um, mm-hmm. But when you buy the kit, they literally, I mean, you can have no tools. You can have no extra anything. Um, you could be sitting in a plain white box room from the Matrix. They deliver this box to you, and it contains literally everything you need to build the printer, put material on the printer, and print some models. Because they even give you an SD card with models on it. They give you all the tools that you're going to need. Um, every single part for the printer. Spare parts, because some of them are fiddly and very small uh, parts. And if you lose them, eh, don't even go looking for them. You're not going to find them. Get the, get the spare, put that in there instead. Um like I said, it was it was relatively easy. The instruction manual uh, is really good. If you do buy one of these things and you're going to want to put it together, I suggest using the online manual instead of the printed instruction manual. Um, the printed is fantastic. 
Don't get me wrong. Full color, great instruction. But the online one is a copy of the printed one with a comment section under each um, step, which means you can go through and you can see someone who said, oh, hey, I put it together this way and it was wrong. Don't make my mistake. And it, it really helps because there was one situation where I put something together wrong and then I started reading the comments. I'm like, oh, crap, that could have that could have really screwed me over if I had just left that. So then I went back, I fixed it, and the comment section saved me from that headache. Um, as far as printing is concerned, the thing is immaculate. I mean, it does an amazing job of printing. All the prints I've taken off this thing have been beautiful. Um, you know, it's stupid simple to print. Uh, calibrates by itself. All the settings are pretty much in there already. Uh, comes with its own software to uh, create the G-code files for the printer, which works really well because it knows exactly everything about the printer when you load it up. The software's free. I love free. So yeah, if you're getting into 3D printing, you got yourself an $800 budget. Don't worry about the other guys. Start with a Prusa. Save yourself the headache. It's well worth it. Um... I did, uh, after your your suggestion and one other person's suggestion, Sean, I s- watched Bandersnatch on Netflix. Did you watch of Bandersnatch? I, I mean, I how went... Many, how many endings did you, <laughs> did you pursue? I got, I got a bunch of Try Again endings. Um, I got what I can only assume is probably one of the best endings. Where, Which was that? At the spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, for those of you who, have, who haven't watched Bandersnatch, but not so much because you have to make the same decisions I made in order to get my ending. Um, so I got an ending where... Did you get the ending where you got the five-star rating on your video game? I got the five-star rating, and it was a must-buy. There's only one way to get that, and that's to chop up your day. <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, yeah. so. and, the, and the, another one of the really hard to find ones uh but a, a very popular big ending was the one where like you went back in time uh did you did you do did you pursue that one like you can go back in time and get the bear and uh and 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 find it prior to the train crash and stuff like that i I went back in time, but I did not find the bunny. Yeah, there's a special way to do it. Like, you can go back in time and you go back through the mirror. They call it the looking glass ending, I believe, because it's very Alice in Wonderland. Because you go back through the looking glass and you actually find the bear. Um, But then you are stuck in, like, a really shitty situation. Because after you find the bear, your mom comes in and she's like, oh, well, I think we're still going to be late. So now you need to decide, are you coming with me or not? And so then you basically have to decide whether to go with your mom and die with her in the train crash that you know is going to occur or to go back and lead the life that you knew was shitty without her. And, uh, and, and so that leads to, you know, a, a very creepy decision you have to make and a, and a very creepy ending if you choose to go with her, you know, uh, because then you as a small child, like die in a, you put yourself in knowing full well that you were going to do so. And then the actual character dies in real life, like in the, in the uh, therapist's office while having a therapy session, you just pass away in the chair. Wow. (laughs) 
real dark shit. Yeah, I didn't so. get that one. <laughs> I did not get that one. I did get the uh, the PAX thing at one point. Where it was a PACS. That was interesting. Like that. It was it was interesting, beginning to end. It was a uh, it was like most of the Black Mirror episodes that I've watched, kind of uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't quite sure where the uncomfortable feeling came from, but I was just very at, uh, you know, not at ease during the entire thing, just kind of off kilter, which is good because that's what the whole series is supposed to be doing. So the fact that it can elicit that response is, you know, kudos. Um, other than that, I did get my hands on a 12.9 inch iPad pro 2018 model, the brand new one, the new hotness. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, way thin. Uh, you're going to want a case. If you don't have a case and you own one of the new iPad Pros, you are a psychopath. That is all there is to it. Because you are begging for that thing to be folded in half in your backpack whenever you pull it out. It is crazy thin. Um, that being said, my main uh, driving force behind getting one is the new pencil. The, uh, the new Apple Pencil with the magnetic clasp instead of the dumbass plug into the bottom of your iPad and just wait to get broken off situation is way better. I can't imagine why they didn't come up with that first thing, you know? Um, I did go, I, I had a 10.5 inch pro and I decided to go for the 12.9 instead of the 11, uh, because I've been carrying the surface pro around for a while and I've gotten kind of used to a bigger tablet. So the iPad Pro, it's a little heavier when it's in this case than I would expect, but not prohibitively so. It's still very much so a really nice device to carry around as a secondary machine. It's not going to take the place of my Windows machines anytime soon, uh, but it's getting much closer. Uh, Power-wise, it is on par. It's fantastic. Just the software isn't quite there yet. LumaFusion Studio does really good at video editing, but it's still not DaVinci Resolve or um, Premiere Pro or even Final Cut 10. So if Apple were to bring Final Cut to the iPad, that would be an unbelievable game changer, especially with these new pros. So. All right. Uh, that is all we got for you this episode. We're all done, wrapped up, ready to roll out. Uh, go ahead and put the chairs up on the bar. Uh, get the money out of the register, Sean. We're getting the out of here. Um, I got Are nothing. We to- place? Well, that maybe, maybe. I I mean, we've been or, planning on taking that money to the bank. I'm not. I'm not gonna not gonna say one way or the other until we're off the air. Um, we've just been sitting here drinking, and you know, at this point, we're we're done, and. You know, don't pay attention to the sirens in the background or anything. We're just, we're just you just gotta, you just gotta hurry, Sean. Just please hurry, get the money, and let's go. Let's cheese it.